This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. For Inside Carolina, I'm Taylor Vipolis, and this is a new podcast to the Inside Carolina lineup up in the rafters where 2017 ACC Player of the Year National Champion Justin Jackson and myself will be talking about all things Carolina basketball. Before we get started, though, I just wanted to say thank you for being here. Be sure you subscribe to Inside Carolina wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube so you never miss out on any of the content the team at IC puts out. The support doesn't go unnoticed on this end. Speaking of support, we want to support the people that support us. So that's why I've got to mention our friends over at Johnny T-Shirt. When it comes to Carolina Apparel, they have everything that you could possibly want. They have the T-Shirts, the jerseys, the hats, you name it, they will probably have it. It's great people and great customer service since it's locally owned and operated by alumni. You could visit them in person on Franklin Street if you're going to be in Chapel Hill or online at johnnytshirt.com. And don't forget, Inside Carolina premium subscribers save 10% off their orders. All right. It's up in the rafters. As always, I'm joined by my guy, Justin Jackson. And Justin, we're going into the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. And the North Carolina Tar Heels are still playing basketball. UNC, <laughs> UNC first beats Marquette in the biggest blowout in a matchup of eight, nine seeds in tournament history with UNC winning by 32. Then in what has to be the game of the tournament through the first two rounds, UNC beats the the defending national champions and one seed in the South region Baylor, where UNC goes up by 25 Brady Manick gets ejected. Caleb love fouls out the bears storm all the way back to force overtime and UNC almost improbably, I think to uh, a lot of the fan base wins in overtime without those two guys playing. How would you begin to put that game into words from, from your perspective? Yeah, I mean, I was uh, I was watching the game up until, I guess, up until Brady got ejected, uh, which I think that in of itself, I don't know if an ejection was necessary for that type of play, but we can talk about that at some other point. Um, but I watched, I was watching it up until that point, and they were up what twenty five at that point, and uh, I had to go do. I think we had practice or shooting around or something. And I was like, okay, even though he's not out there, they should be okay. And all of a sudden I watched the next two possessions of Baylor and they hit two threes. And I was like, <laughs> not like this, please not like this. Um, but um, I think on a serious note, you know, we've talked about kind of the team and how at times when they've kind of gotten slapped in the face, they've kind of bowed out. Right. And the, and the team just kind of keeps up, keeps it rolling. And they end up, that's why some of the bad losses were the way that they were this season. But to see them in overtime 
without those two guys to still be able to make plays down the stretch and still be able to come out with a win like that against at the end of the day, one of the best teams in the country. I think that's, that's one of those games where you can take that momentum and continue it, you know, into the next, into the next round, um, which is the, the three sixteen. So I was obviously happy to see him win, but it was also very impressive that even though they gave up that type of loss or that type of uh, lead that they were able to still, you know, buckle down and come out with that win. Yeah, there was there was one point in the game where Carolina was still up six points with like 50 seconds, I think. And Sohan hits a he banks in a three. Baylor has to foul. Armando Baycott misses both free throws. Baylor comes down with like 20 seconds. RJ Davis fouls. I think it was a Kinjo maybe. Um for an and one layup, they make the free throw. We're going overtime. And I just remember thinking in my head, like, this is not a win. I mean, this is, if you lose this game as a program, you may never recover from. <laughs> yeah. That, I, I'm not going to lie. It's you give up a 25 point lead and have to go into overtime. That overtime usually doesn't turn out your like on your side. So I think that's obviously you don't ever want a game to go that way. Right. But I think that's why it's so impressive that they were able to end up where they end up winning by seven or something like that. Yeah. Something uh, like that. that they were able to pull out that win because like I said, literally every bit of the momentum is for the team that just made that comeback. And so for you to be able to kind of, you know, whether it was coach resetting them and the, and the huddle before that overtime started or the leaders on the team or whatever, for them to be able to say, okay, we got five minutes. Like, let's let's go out here and let's pull this one out. Um, I don't know. I, I was impressed for sure. If if you had to put yourself in, you know, Brady Manick's shoes in this game where he's he's a grad student, every game could potentially be his last. He he scores twenty six points against Baylor. He gets ejected. Has to go back to the locker room. You're in the locker room. Your team's up twenty five. And then all of a sudden you, you start to see a collapse happening. How, how do you think he was feeling in that locker room, watching this team, thinking that, you know, if, if Carolina doesn't hold on and win in overtime, that's the last time we're going to see Brady Manick on a college court. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, definitely not a great feeling. I'll tell you that. I'm sure when he got ejected, obviously he probably was upset that he got ejected, but when you see that your team's up 25, you know, you kind of think, okay, well, we should be okay. And then all of a sudden you see that comeback. I'm sure his stomach dropped a little bit. Um, but I, I'm sure he also embraced all of his teammates after the game and thanked them all for <laughs> for pulling that one out. Because like you said, I mean, it's, it's always tough for a guy who you know, you know, these tournament games are the last ones that he'll play. Um, and so I'm happy to see that he gets another chance to go out there on, on the court and the rest of the team gets another chance in this next round. Yeah, I always loved the videos of the team coming back in the locker room. And it was kind of a, an added wrinkle to this one where you see the team going back to a locker room that already has Brady Manick in it. <laughs> and I thought it was also cool that Coach Davis um, had Brady Manick as the one who I think you guys you guys did the the numbers on the board. It seems like this team has like a, a, a bracket where they're able to to move the teams. And Coach Davis had. Brady Manick as the one moving the team into this sweet 16, but Carolina does not win this game against Baylor. If it wasn't for the star of Saturday's game, 
you know where I'm going with this. As a New Yorker, the king of New York, R.J. Davis, putting the city on his back. Even though he's not technically from the city, he's from Westchester, but Westchester, Rockland County, New York, we New York City, we all that's the same. RJ Davis, he goes off for a career high 30 points against Marquette the game before. He struggled shooting. He was one of 10 from the field, but he found an, a different way to impact the game. Career high, 12 assists. UNC has put the ball in his hands more and more as the season has kind of progressed. And Every time they ask him to do more, it seems like he just keeps going up an, another level to where he's looking like the McDonald's All-American that came to UNC last year. What did you kind of think of his performances from this past weekend? Yeah, I mean, I, I figured going into the game that he was going to have a little bit better game than he did against Marquette. Like you said, it was it – was, I love to see a player who, if their shot's not falling or if whatever it is that they are, you know, necessarily the best skilled at, to be able to find a different way to affect the game to, to help the team win. And I think against Marquette, he did that perfectly. He was distributing the ball perfectly, running the team the way that, you know, they needed it to be ran. And I think going into this game, um, you could just tell from the jump um, offensively, he was just more aggressive. He was looking to shoot the ball more. Um, I will say, I love seeing the ball in his hands more and having Caleb love off the ball to be able to, you know, just be more of a score. Um, and uh, I think I, I, I'm loving kind of that role that they have RJ in and moving Caleb off the ball to just be a pure score. Um, but I think seeing RJ uh, just be aggressive and hit shots, you know, time after time, especially some big ones, um, you know, it was, I love to see that, especially coming off of a game that, you know, obviously you struggle shooting. Um, so I think, you know, like you said, him and Brady pretty much um, were that scoring punch that, that led them, led them to the win. Um, and so it's, it's always impressive to see that. Yeah. To, to make a deep run in the tournament, it, it almost seems like you, you need to have, you know, a lead guy on your team, almost like you think back to the UConn years and it kind of started with Kemba Walker being that guy for, for me, at least when, when I think of a team making a run and it seems like this Carolina team, you look at the Marquette game and Caleb Love goes off shooting threes in that first half you look at the Baylor game and somebody like RJ Davis can kind of take over. Brady Manick has scored 54 points in 61 minutes through two games. And we're not even talking about Armando Baycott, who, when you look at the numbers he's put up this year, you have to go all the way back to like Tim Duncan before you could find somebody who's kind of done what he's done at, at Carolina this season. When, when you look at uh, Manick, 28 points against Marquette, 26 points against Baylor. How perfect of a compliment is he to what coach Davis wants to do and then pairing him with somebody like Armando Baycott? He's just, he's, he's a, he's a tough matchup for a lot of the four men that are guarding him, you know, and, and the way that coach Davis has their offense running, there's a lot of, he's involved in a lot of screening, a lot of popping um, and a lot of bigs in college aren't used to, okay, I have to guard the ball screen and then I have to get back out to a shooter, right? So it's whenever you see that, I mean, it, it, it just causes problems for the defense. And so, um, and obviously he's shooting lights out too. So that always helps as well. Um, but I think that's, that's the biggest thing is when you play him at the four, offensively, guys that are playing him in college aren't used to guarding guys like him. 
you know, and I think his IQ and the ability for him to like make reads and find the open spots, um, you know, I think that's what causes problems. And then you have, you have guys like RJ and Caleb who are able to find them. Um, and that just opens it up more for Armando down low. You know, Armando has been a, a beast all season and the more and more that outside shots fall, the more that teams have to, you know, stop focusing on him and start to spread out to the perimeter. So I think if they continue to hit shots, I think you're going to start seeing Armando having better opportunities down low. Um, and if they don't, then Brady and RJ and Caleb and everybody outside will have a field day. Yeah, and in, in the Baylor game also, you saw you saw somebody like Dontrez Styles playing a lot more. He played a season high in minutes. Um, even even before the manic ejection, I'm pretty sure he was past his season high in minutes. And you mentioned how this was a game where you can carry on to the Sweet 16 with, you know, how, how gritty of a win it was. But I, that got me kind of thinking, what, what do you think is more impressive moving forward that UNC was able to win without manic and love? or that the starting five essentially ran Baylor, the number one seed, the defending champions out of the gym for the, for, you know, 30 plus minutes. Yeah. I mean, I think all season, like we, you know, when we come on here and we talk, you know, there's been some games where it's like, man, I don't know what's going on or whatever, but all season we've talked about how talented those main guys are, right. We've talked about how talented Caleb is. We've talked about how talented Brady is, RJ, Armando, you know, the things that Leaky brings to the team, you can't really find anywhere else. Um, and so we've always talked about how talented they were. It was just a matter of them putting that all together, going out there and competing and, and applying the things that Coach Davis has been talking to them all season. And I think now the tournament is, is such an amazing time of basketball because the team that's going to end up winning is just the team that's playing their best right now at this current moment, right? With single elimination, all that kind of stuff. You just have to be playing your best ball. And right now North Carolina is playing their best basketball that they've played all year. You know, this past whatever month or so of basketball is the best they've played all year. And so when you see them go into a game, like, you know, against the defending champs against the number one seed in their region and to see those, that starting five play that way, we've seen that kind of in spurts all year, right? Like we've seen how good they could be. It's just now they're starting to put it together. So I think that's impressive. But then, I mean, the fact that you're able to get out a win with somebody that scored 26 points in what? He got ejected with like 11 minutes left yeah. in the game. To somebody that scores that much, somebody who scored 21 in the first half of the game before, for you to still be able to get that out with a freshman coming in and playing his season high and RJ putting up 30, Armando having whatever he had um, I think that's you know probably the most impressive to me yeah the the devil's argue uh, the devil's advocate argument for the starting five being more impressive I guess would be when this North Carolina team plays like this they show that they could be the team that's cutting down the nets and in, in the final four in the championship game and I don't know if everybody was completely there um, I think they showed it in that Duke game and they showed it in the Michigan game when, when, when this team's really at their best that they can go toe to toe with anybody. But, you know, like, like you've mentioned the past month, month, month and a half, the, the analytics and the metrics all say that this, the starting five for Carolina can go toe to toe with anybody in the country. And then I think you saw it on Saturday kind of all come together where they were, they were running Baylor out of the gym. 
And you mentioned how this team is playing their best ball um, come March. And your teams at Carolina, you guys were always known for that. I feel like that was a staple for a Roy Williams coach team. What do you think the key is to be able to hit your peak this time of the year? Honestly, I think it's just the preparation that you have. I mean, it's hard going into, you know, for this particular team, it's hard going into a, a season where you've got a lot of guys transferring in. Yeah, you've got guys trying to mesh together. You've got guys trying to find their role. Um, you know, the bench is trying to figure out, you know, who might be key contributors off the bench. Uh, and then you have a brand new coach and coach Davis, you know, that's, that's coming in. Obviously everybody wants to put a ton of pressure on him, but just being a new coach, you know, to these guys, a new head coach, a different role, you know, that's different. So, you start out the season trying to figure out, okay, who's going to be my main players. Who's going to be the guys that, you know, come to play for me every single night. Uh, you've got guys on the court trying to figure out, okay, where guys like the ball, where they like to, you know, make plays, whatever. And so as you continue throughout the season, the coach, you know, for me, it was obviously coach Williams. Obviously now it's coach Davis, you know, their main job is just to continue to try to get them to get better continue to try to get them to play together, um, compete together, uh, be ready to go every single game um, as a team. And so I think that's kind of what you're seeing. Obviously, Coach Williams did an amazing job while I was in school and even before that um, of kind of progressively getting everybody ready for the tournament season. And I think that's what Coach Davis did, even though there was some bumps in the road and, you know, you had some losses that you didn't want. At the end of the day, that's wiped away. And now it's like, okay, we're playing our best ball now. Let's keep on going. Uh, let's keep on playing together. Let's keep on competing. Um, and so I think that's just, it's a testament to how good of a, a job coach Davis has done, how good, you know, the players have responded to his coaching. You have that survive and advance mentality. Carolina moves on from Fort Worth to Philadelphia now um, for a game against UCLA on Friday. Does the second weekend feel any different than the first when you do get down to 16 teams? Is, is there more pressure? Is there less pressure? How are you kind of feeling when, once you get there? To be honest, I, I didn't feel much different, a much different pressure from the first or the second round. I think once you get to the last weekend is whenever the, you know, you really start feeling different. Um, but at the end of the day, you, you made it to the Sweet 16. Right, Sweet 16, you're trying to make it to the lead eight, trying to make it to the final four. So I think there's, if you allow it, there's always going to be some sort of pressure. But I think if they keep on taking the same approach as far as, okay, this is just another game, right? Like UCLA is a good team. We got to prepare for them, but we're going to go in here and play like it's any other game. We're going to play as hard as we can um, and do everything that we've been doing for the last, you know, like we've been saying the last month and a half or so, you know, then I think hopefully they can just go out there and just play their game. So, um, hopefully they can do that and not allow the pressures of being in the sweet 16 and all that kind of stuff kind of hit them. It's crazy that we've gotten to this point where we're talking about Carolina going to the sweet 16, where we were earlier in the season and, uh, we'll, we'll see how Carolina does. We're going to take a quick ad break. And then when we get back, we have a special guest joining us. You'll see who it is once we pop in, but you'll probably already see the title on Spotify. So I'm already just wasting my breath talking right now. Quick ad break. 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Joining us now on the podcast, we have the head coach of the North Carolina Tar Heels, who has led the UNC to the Sweet 16 in his first season. Coach Davis, appreciate you hopping on here, talking with us and chopping it up with us today. I know I know you're excited to see somebody like Justin, and that kind of leads perfectly into my first question, where you have current and former players that when they talk about this team after success, one of the first things they always say is that they're so happy for you specifically. What does that kind of mean for you as a coach to see that kind of impact you've had on your players? Well, I, you know, honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm just really happy for the players, you know, like so many times for this current team, you know, the only thing that they have heard is, is our stories, is our testimonies, our memories of, uh, being in big time moments, big time situations with a Carolina uniform on. And, you know, since the time that I became head coach, every player that is, you know, stopped by during the summer, whether it was a practice or a game, I've had them speak to the team to share their experiences, to share their stories and testimonies. And so like the biggest thing for me is like, I wanted our players to have their own experiences and this year they are. You know, the the experience of being in pressure situations and coming up big and playing in front of a packed Smith Center four, um, you know, winning at Duke, um, having success in the NCAA tournament. These are things that those are the things that bring me joy and happiness is to see the smiles and the tears of joy on on the players faces. And so. I mean, you look at our current team right now, there, there's only one person that has ever been to the Sweet 16, and that's Leakey. And that was his freshman year. And so it's almost like kids in a candy store. They're so excited and happy uh, to still be playing. And um, it's a, just a really neat feeling as a head coach. Justin, if you were on this team right now, or you were talking to this team, what kind of advice would you give? Maybe Coach Davis can relay it back to this team before UCLA. <laughs> Man, look, I... I I'm Justin would have the green, it. green, double green light. <laughs> I'd be calling so many plays for him. If he didn't get up 20 shots, I'd take him out. <laughs> man. Oh, oh, man. I would I would absolutely love to be back at school and playing for you, Coach. Um, <laughs> but I, I'm man enough to say I, I don't think I could give any more, any better advice than what Coach Davis just said. I mean, I think for me, when I was there at school, it was just enjoying every moment of it, right? It's enjoying every, it's enjoying the the warm up before the game in the hallways. It's enjoying 
you know, listening to music on the way over to the gym, right? It's enjoying the the open practices and all that kind of stuff. For me, that's that's kind of what it was, was just enjoying every single moment of it. And I think that's a great point that you make, Coach, as far as just these guys, they got to make their own memories, right? And, and, it, and, you know, we've been on this podcast all year kind of talking, um, you know, about things. And there's been some bumps in the roads. There's been some huge wins. There's been some, you know, some great times and some good and some bad times. But at this point in the season, this is the time that you just enjoy it. You enjoy it. You go out there and just compete and you let it, you leave it all out there. And so I think that's kind of what I would just tell them is just go out there and do it for each and every one that's in that locker room, right? For the coaches, for the, for the players, for the, you know, for the GAs, for everybody that's put time in throughout the season. Y'all just go out there and have fun and put everything out there. And if you do that, then you can you can live with whatever the results might be. And coach, you you have a a reputation of being one of the nicest people ever. You could see you could see that why anybody anybody who knows you and gets the chance to talk to you. And I think that's easy for some fans to think that, you know, like nice and toughness can't kind of coexist. And you have after the Marquette game, I thought the quote of the year where you said there's three kinds of people those who don't want to fight, those who do want to fight, and those are those who are looking for a fight. I want 17 guys in this locker room who are looking for a fight when we go out there. When do you think the the switch kind of turned on for your team with that toughness because nobody has nobody has even mentioned the word toughness or questioned the toughness over the past, you know, month or so. Well, you know, I really felt like, you know, a narrative for our team was that that we were soft and that we we were weak. And I said, the only way that you can change that narrative is, is that, you know, um, you're, you're going to have to display a sense of toughness and a will and a want to out there on the floor. And you're going to have to demand that. And, you know, I, I did. I knew the type of game and the type of physicality that we were going to have in the NCAA tournament. And it, it wasn't just for the NCAA tournament. I've said this throughout the whole year that you, you're going to have to be looking for a fight. And not not a physical fight, but a mental toughness to um, to give everything that you have on loose balls, to give everything that you have on box outs and sprinting the offense and setting in solid, solid and legal screens and coming off screens and knocking down free throws and having that that toughness out there on the floor, irregardless of calls, irregardless of whether the shots go in or not that um, you're staying focused on task and understanding what you have to do in order to put yourself in a position to be successful. But I, I honestly think, you know, the change for our team, I've said this before, that this is the healthiest and the most together our team has been over the last month and a half and two months. And I really believe the reason is, is that our team finally turned down or turned off the noise. And I always tell them that, that there, there's noise from the phone, the family, and the friends. And you got to turn that off or you got to turn it down in order to focus on what you need to achieve individually and as a team. And I feel like our team has done that really well over the last month and a half, two months, and it's allowed us to play a lot better. One question that I wanted to ask you, too, uh, we've been talking about how you're running more of a, like a modern style offense, a lot more pick and rolls. And you brought in Pat Sullivan to the staff and he's, he's always in that first seat closest to you on the bench. 
with his NBA background, how influential has he been to you modernizing this UNC offense with things like, you know, the stack pick and roll, which we really haven't seen too much of before this year? Well, you know, uh, you know, Pat has, you know, I played two years with him at Carolina and I mean, we just instantly became best friends. And so we have a relationship that is over a long period of time and, you know, having him and his knowledge is 18 years in the NBA has been invaluable, not only just offensively, but defensively, uh, skill development for our players. It's just been off the chart. And, you know, also, you know, the addition of Jeff Lebo, he's been a head coach in a number of different places. And he also was a head coach in the G League as well. So he has NBA experience also, you know, like the foundation of Carolina basketball will never change while I'm here. You know, and Justin knows this. We play hard. We play smart. We play together. We get after it defensively. We share the basketball. We want to attack the basket through post of penetration. We want to get to the free throw line. And every time we shoot a shot, three, four, and five are going to the offensive glass. So, I mean, that that's the foundation of who we are, and that's not going to change. But I think at times you have to tweak, you have to pivot, you have to alter depending on your personnel. You know, when Justin, when when we won in, you know, you guys won the, the NCAA championship, you know, we had Kennedy Meeks, we had Isaiah Hicks, you know, we had uh, Tony Bradley. Okay, we don't have that. <laughs> and so what we have is, is we've got Brady Manick who can shoot the bejeebies out of yeah. the ball. And we mm-hmm. have Armando who scores at a high clip around the basket, but for him – he likes to catch it on the move as opposed to just a stationary post Kennedy meets up, throwing the ball in a post and he goes, you know, he gets a bucket. And so that's yeah. what we did. We, we, we we're playing Carolina basketball, but we've altered and tweaked and pivoted to our personnel. And so that's why we put in things like, you know, stack pick and rolls. We, we put in piston action, you know, and, and just different things to highlight the strengths and the talents that this particular team has. Justin, I love I love you saying that you wish you could go back and play for Coach Davis, knowing that, you know, you had a ton of success at Carolina in your own right, going to back to back national championships and then winning the second one. What have you kind of seen this year? that that really entices you from a Carolina perspective where if you were a recruit coming now watching how coach Davis is running this team why would you want to be a part of it again um you know I think and like you said we had a ton of success um you know while I was there at school coach Williams obviously you know coached the crap out of us and and you know pushed us to the point where we were able to win a national championship um but I think when you look at the offensive, you know, the offensive, you know, plays, the scheme, everybody's fully involved, right? Like when I was at school, um, my junior year, I just shot the ball. So it was like, okay, like I'll, I'll get my shots up. But for us, it was like a lot of secondary break, feed the post, um, you know, point guard kind of runs everything. And then the wings were kind of, you know, we ran, we ran to the corners, we set back screens, we, we shot whenever we were open, kind of that type of deal. But when you watch the offense now, um, this year, you see the ball moving from side to side. You might have two, three different pick and rolls, pick and pops, uh, might have some down screens, some stack action. Um, so when I watch that just as a shooter um, and as a scorer, 
that's kind of what would get me excited is kind of knowing that there are different ways that I would be involved as opposed to, you know, maybe having to come off of a back screen or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, but I think on, honestly, going back to kind of what something that coach Davis said, um, you know, we've said it all year as far as, you know, it's, it seems as if, you know, to start the season, it seemed as if guys weren't fully, you know, I would say together, they weren't fully a cohesive unit, um, which obviously if you're not a cohesive unit, you're not going to be able to go out and compete for each other the way that you probably should. And I think now that you've seen kind of, like you said, everybody's being held, everybody's healthy now, everybody's, you know, now able to play on the court at the same time. I think that's kind of what you're seeing is they're more of a cohesive unit. They're more of a team more together. And so now it makes it easy for you to go out there and, and, and go extremely hard for, for the guy next to you, right? Like if you want to throw the whole family term in there, or brothers or whatever, like, you know, your brother's going to go to war for you. So you got to, you got to pull your end of the deal. So I think that's what I'm loving to see kind of going down this stretch is like, it's the perfect time for them to come together. It's the perfect time for them to start playing, you know, extremely hard for each other and, and, and playing as a cohesive unit. So I'm just saying, coach, I, I'm loving watching the best ball that y'all are putting out there that's that's all i'm saying and I, I, yeah go ahead coach no it is it, it it's 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 been a lot of fun and it but it's been fun the entire season you know it's um all these guys i'm so thankful and appreciative because they they took a chance and trusted me you know and me you know being the first year as head coach this group gave me a chance and gave me an opportunity and I always tell them that's the foundation of who I am. Everything that I've been able to experience is because somebody has given me an opportunity and a chance. And I'm, I'm just so thankful that our guys are getting a chance um, to continue to play in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. The going back to that cohesive point, the, the team looks like they're enjoying each other's success um, not just the individual success that kind of comes with basketball. And I think you're seeing that through these first two games in the tournament, 51 assists to 62 field goals, which yeah. is a, a impressive uh, ratio right there. But coach, I, I want to go away from basketball for a second. You had a, a quote where you said after the Duke game, I'm always emotional. My wife gets on me because she says I cry all the time, which I do. <laughs> outside of basketball what is something that fans would be surprised to find out that made you cry like maybe it was a sunset maybe it was like a puppy what, what, what's <laughs> not something? a sunset or a puppy <laughs> <laughs> there, there's three things that'll that'll make me cry quickly uh obviously emotional playing basketball uh the second thing is my family and and the third thing is my faith and those are three things that are the most important to me. And those are the three things that uh, I am most emotional about. And it's not even close. And those are the three things that will bring me to tears uh, very quickly. And so, and I tell them that. I said, you know, if, um, I like emotion because that means that it, it means something to you. It means that you care. And so when the guys are emotional out there on the floor, I actually like that because that means, okay, now, now, now this means something to you. And um, when, when you play with emotion, when you live your life, your, your faith with emotion, when you love your family with emotion, 
then I just feel like you're in a good spot. That's a great answer. I, I was, I was more looking for like a, maybe a, a notebook type movie, but <laughs> you know what I do? I do, I do like the notebook. I do. That doesn't bring me to tears, but I do like the notebook. <laughs> I do like the notebook. <laughs> uh, I have one last question before we let you get out of here and focus on UCLA. You have a lot bigger things that you have to be doing. I'm a New York guy. Justin knows that I, I annoy Justin about New York, you know, my, my biggest identity is being a New Yorker. Okay. I love New York. Yeah. I was actually born March 1st, 1994. You guys didn't lose that entire month. That was, the start, that was the start of like a 14, 15 game winning streak. And it's, it's kind of all been downhill from there as, as a Nick <laughs> fan. But uh, I, love, I love RJ Davis. I love watching him. He kind of brings that New York toughness to the court. He's been a player that has benefited from you implementing the more pick and rolls into the offense. He's taken a huge leap this year as a sophomore, but over the past month, it seems like he's gone up even to another level. Where have you seen him grow as the guy who is initiating the offense? Yeah, he's, you know, he's been great uh, all season. You know, the major difference between his freshman year and, and, and this year being a sophomore year, you know, it's funny. There's always a big difference between your freshman and sophomore year because of your maturity. But, you know, for RJ, he's always been a knockdown shooter. But I, I think I would say three areas that he's gotten a lot better at this season. One, finishing at the rim. He's doing that much better. And, uh, you know, he's not a, a very tall point guard, but he's been very crafty about finishing around the basket. The second thing is I, I think his defense has improved a lot. He's he's been a guy that can pick up full court, keep his man in front of him and really hard for opposing point guards to 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 get into their offense. And and then the last thing is he, he has a great understanding of when to pass and when to shoot. You talked about the assists, the, you know, the 51 you know assists in, in the two games in the NCAA tournament. He had 12 of them. Like this is who RJ is against Marquette. He had 12 assists and one turnover. And then, OK, then in Baylor, he has 30 points. And so now you have a guard that he can play on and off the off the ball. He understands when to pass, when to shoot, he can get everybody involved. And if you leave him open, he's a great three-point shooter. And he's just an unbelievable teammate. And you talked about his, you know, him being from New York. He brings that, you know, that city toughness that I love. And, you know, when I played at Carolina, we always had two or three guys from the New York, New Jersey area. And I just felt like they brought that type of toughness to our team. And RJ definitely does that for us. I was going to say, you're doing a a great job your first year as head coach, getting UNC to the Sweet 16. But my only advice to you would just be recruit more New York guys. We are. (laughs) I I would love to. I'd like some guys from like Houston. (laughs) Yeah. They got any Tombo guys out there? Yeah, you guys, from guys from Texas, you'll be all right. Yeah, yeah, we've done pretty good with guys from Houston. <laughs> but Coach Davis, appreciate you getting on here and talking with us today. Carolina back in action Friday, 9.30 from Philadelphia against UCLA. Coach, best of luck. And Justin, appreciate you getting on here today. Of course, I appreciate you, Coach. All right, thanks a lot. Please don't call me coach. You know I'm HD and Hubert, so stop it, Justin, okay? (laughs) HD, I appreciate it. (laughs) Thanks a lot, guys.
What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Okay. Now, it is a do-bet. Do averaging 29 and 11. God, shit. what it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Four, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing.